<laughs> There's something I want to say, but I you're probably not going to laugh. <laughs> That's fine. We're improv okay. people. Okay. All right. All right. Are we we're stopping or starting again or just? No, we're fucking going, dude. Okay, let's go. All right. All right. Welcome to the Pretty Pixels podcast. I'm your superior host, Tab London. You bitch. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? I guess I'm your inferior host, Joey Prenwell. Next time I'll be like, I'm your, I don't know, your supercilious host or your snobby host or something. <laughs> there we to balance go. It out, Perfect. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but welcome to the Pretty Pixels podcast. We got so lost in our superiority, apparently. <laughs> Yep. yep. <laughs> We're not. Um, this week, what are we talking about, Superior Host? We are talking about the feels, specifically the feels. Our, our, our crying, our tears in reaction to video games. And it's kind of perfect timing because we're also going to be talking about what we've been playing. And yes. one of the things we've been playing, we'll get to this later, of course, but Emily is away three which mm-hmm. just came out this past week, and we've been playing a lot of it. Um, and that series in particular, there's been two games prior to this, uh, made both of us cry. So mm-hmm. um, we'll be getting to that. But I think f- once again, we've kind of predicted the future <laughs> in a way. We're, we're really good at like setting ourselves up for things. Yeah, I don't we're know like, that's I don't a, know. Yeah. a skill we could put on the resume or not. But I guess we'll talk about crying in video games, and then we play a game where we're it's not everywhere Mm -hmm. so so that is pretty perfect but before we get to that of course let's talk about any kind of interesting news i don't know that there was anything well there's the resident evil showcase which i will talk about momentarily but other than that i don't know that there was anything that was like super yeah that that was really the only big thing um for me this past week because i also tuned in for for much of that event yeah um I'm curious to know your thoughts on it, of course, because you're very amped up for, uh, what is it, May May 7th? Oh, yeah, May 7th, yep. Yeah. um, Well, you know what? Let's just jump in there. So I thought it was a pretty decent showcase. There wasn't really anything surprising. They showed a new trailer. Uh, In the trailer, there were a lot of mentions of Mother Miranda, which, you know, she was this character who we've not seen and was was mentioned in previous trailers. But... Mm -hmm. um, but she was, I would say, featured prominently, at least by name, in this one. So I'm wondering if she's going to be kind of the final ultimate boss. And there are going to be these, like, three or four mini-bosses. Because right. there's a point where they focus on, like, four sigils or, ch- or like, little crests. Mm-hmm. And one of them is Lady Dimitrice, apparently, how you say oh, her yeah, name. Oh, yeah, I forgot to comment. So I mad like, about oh, that. Dude, what do you think about the pronunciation? <laughs> That's, ah, it's, it's wrong, man. It feels so it's wrong. <laughs> Um, because then, then I went into this spiral where I'm looking up, I'm Googling, like, how do you pronounce that name? Oh, God. And from what I can tell, it is like an Eastern European or like Romanian type, you know, mm-hmm. name. And every pronunciation is like Dimitrescu, Dimitrescu or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're like, Dimitrice, where, where is yeah, the C, where's the U, you know? <laughs> so, I mean... It's their character. They can say how it's pronounced. I guess I'll say Dimitris, but I'm not happy about it. God damn it. Um, <laughs> but one of the crests is hers. And so she must be one of four like right, guardians right. or something like that. And then Mother Miranda must be like the 
like ultimate boss or something. Mm-hmm. Um, they did mention, so I wrote a blog about the maiden demo that came out. And one of the things I was kind of doing was analyzing one of the, you know, that the trailer that came out um, prior to that demo. Mm-hmm. And I got the sense from those, those previews in the trailer and the demo and all that stuff that Ethan was, he must be special in some way. His blood must be special. And I feel like that was confirmed because there's a part that a lot of people made a big deal about, of course, where Lady D cuts Ethan's hand open yeah, and she yeah. like sucks on his hand very seemingly, you know. <laughs> suggestively. Suggestively, yeah. Um, and she says something like, you know, let's see how special you really are. So I think there mm-hmm. is the idea that he might be, his blood might have special um, properties because of his exposure to the virus or one of the strains of the virus in mm-hmm. Resident Evil 7. Um, there's a very brief glimpse of a giant shark. There was a giant shark in the very original, I think it was the original Resident Evil. There's like a basement level oh. with a giant shark. Okay. Um, but there's a new giant shark, so that's cool. Uh, there's been suggestions or discussion about whether Chris is a bad guy because, of course, he's always been one of the preeminent heroes of the series. But he kills Mia, supposedly, if this really, if that really is Mia and if that really is Chris, in the trailer. Um, and Ethan seems obviously pretty unhappy about it. And in the key art, like the the art for the game, there's it's this picture of of Chris's face. And half of it is like in shadow and he has this glowing eye. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, is he a lichen or a werewolf? Is this really Chris? Is he going to be like infected with this disease? And he like fights against Mother Miranda or someone and then he gets cured. I have no idea. I'm very curious to see how that how that plays out. But um, the rest of it was, you know, they showed uh, mercenaries mode, which is a pretty standard mode for the series. I'm not super excited about it. I'm not a, I'm not a big uh, I'm, I'm more I love the Resident Evil series in part because of the atmosphere and the tone and the creepiness and spooky vibes and all mm-hmm. that stuff. The action never really kind of hooks me. And that's why I started, you know, I, I was like many unhappy with the the way that the series was progressing up to Resident Evil 6. Um, they showed a trailer for Resident Evil Infinite Darkness, which is the Netflix show mm-hmm. that's going to be coming out. That looked pretty good. I think I'm... I, I'm actually interested in watching it. I must say might, yeah. for like much of the, the show or whatever, um, the feature, I was confused <laughs> because I don't know what's going on yeah. with Resident Evil as franchise, but I was entertained. And when I saw that show, I think I texted you like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch that." <laughs> well, it's you watched me play through most of Resident Evil Four, mm-hmm. and you saw the like campy ridiculousness of that story. Yeah, and I think that's where it's picking up. So that that show seems to take place right after that game. And it has, you know, Ashley, the character Ashley Graham in the game was the president's daughter. Well, it's, you know, Leon Kennedy from Resident Evil 4, Resident Evil 2, mm-hmm. um, protecting the president in this one, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And so Ashley's in it, and I'm, I'm assuming, and Claire and everyone. So it's going to be, I, I, I'm just expecting it to be dumb fun and that's it mm-hmm. and if and if that's all i get out of it then that's that's totally fine yeah yeah um there's a dead by daylight collaboration that they didn't really give mm-hmm. very many details about but that's pretty cool um they showed off resident evil 4 for the oculus quest resident evil 4 is like skyrim there's jokes about it being on everything 
um, refrigerators, toasters, all that kind of stuff. So I wasn't super surprised. I know some people were really excited, but um, I think Resident Evil 7 would have been cooler. I know that it's, I mean, maybe there's an exclusivity deal with Sony for why, you know, for it being on oh, okay. the PlayStation VR. That might be the, the case, but it just seems like a much better fit since it was designed for VR. So I think that would have, because I would have thought that they would have taken advantage of the power of the quest to to make certain improvements because for me resident evil 7 was one is one of those vr games that makes me really nauseous and i think when i tried it this last time i've tried it several times i tried it this last time i was convinced i'm gonna i'll push through the nausea i'll get to a point where i'm more comfortable for me it's not about the movement itself it's about what happens to the visuals when you move there's like this blurring effect and There's I think that's what gets weird me with that VR game in particular. Yeah. Cause that was one of the first VR games that I think you had me try mm-hmm. and I was only able to play it for like, I don't know, 20 minutes, half an hour. I mean, also yeah. it's a scary game, so I wasn't a fan, but <laughs> the, the visuals were kind of throwing me. Yeah, it definitely. And that's one of the reasons, I mean, as much as I loved that they did that and they made like a fully realized VR game. And from what I understand about the production was they had to throw out, a draft of the game and start from scratch when Sony was like, Hey, would you be willing to make this VR? Oh, um, so they kind of okay. rebuilt the game from the ground up with VR in mind, which is one of the reasons they went first person. And as cool as that was, and as glad as I am as they, that they did that, um, I'm glad that they are reverting back to just non VR standard for Resident Evil village, because the, the graphics in Resident Evil seven are not, all that great and i think it's got to be in part because they knew like the vr headsets aren't going to be able to um handle that kind of fidelity so the the graphics in resident evil village are amazing and i think i would trade that for a vr mode that i probably wouldn't be able to play so (laughs) (laughs) um but overall i thought it was a it was a, a mostly unsurprising showcase but i'm more hyped than ever for the game honestly I want, and maybe this is just because I'm feeling a little starved for like E3, but I would like more showcases like that for just games in general. It was very E3-esque with like mm-hmm. exclusive or like world premiere or whatever it was saying. Yeah. Um, and, and I wonder if companies, you know, practicing that because of the pandemic are going to get kind of like... Why, why do we need E3 or why do we need... You know what I mean? Which that's a different discussion, but... I'm hoping that that they get better at it to where we get more in-depth, fully realized presentations like this. Well, it helps us as consumers to determine, you know, do I really want to buy? Like, it's just another avenue on top of being able to play demos or, you know, read early reviews or watch streamers or things like that. Yeah. And sometimes, like, there are definitely developers who don't do that rockstar Mm -hmm. doesn't do that they're going to release a couple of flashy trailers and that's like virtually it um but people will buy that game no matter what but Mm -hmm. i do like i think it's important i feel like they've really capcom has really leaned into the marketing for resident evil village because of the hype that spawned from lady d 
I think going all the way back to like January when people started making memes and she became this like phenomenon, I think Capcom was like, we need to capitalize on that because just because people are making these memes doesn't mean they're going to buy the game. So we need to kind of right. seal the deal. So like they've had two showcases and in this showcase, they, they've had one audiovisual trailer or demo, should I say? Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they're releasing three kind of or like two, two to three yeah demos play gameplay demos um because they're releasing that really it's basically it's a it's a demo it's a timed demo a 60 minute chunk of the game but it's broken up into two parts so the first part was available this past weekend i played it and i'll talk about it in a minute but um and so you could play 30 minutes in the village portion of the game and then the next one is this coming weekend and you can play 30 minutes in the castle part of the game and then on May 1st, you can play 60 minutes in both the village and the castle. Mm-hmm. And that one's multi-platform. These first two demos are PS4 and PS5 exclusive. Right. Um, but it, So it's very confusing, the scheduling of that. But I think part of it is they want to... They've built that momentum on accident, I think, at first because of Lady D. And now they're like, we need to keep that going. So if we mm-hmm. trickle these demos out, that every week... People are going to have reasons to share screenshots and clips and make gifts of Lady D and all that stuff. And I want to point out that they're being very streamer friendly about it, mm-hmm. um, which I think that's one of the things that I test that I texted you during the the showcase was like, ah, see developers acknowledging upfront like the power and the effect that streaming um, this kind of content can have for for sales. Yeah, and I mean they're they're not like one of the biggest companies. They're a very old, storied company, mm-hmm. um, but they're pretty big. And I think it's those big companies that need to have those realizations because yeah. small companies, small development uh, and publishing companies, you know, they know that, but it's hard for them to get traction. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is these bigger or mid-tier companies like, I mean, to be honest, Atlas was a good example when Persona 5 came out. And I was gonna say. streamers <laughs> were like, oh, this this looks great. This would be a great game to play on stream. Mm-hmm. And they're like, wait a minute, I can't stream it. I can't take screenshots. Like that yeah. was such a debacle. And I think it showed that some of these bigger companies just don't realize or maybe they don't value um, yeah. streaming and what but I think what? it's a little out of touch considering what Twitch is like as a platform. Yeah. Um, and just the reach that they that they have. But I mean, if we didn't have Twitch, I don't think it's controversial to say if we didn't have Twitch and streaming, we wouldn't have the Fortnite that we have today. Mm-hmm. Would it be successful? Sure. But streaming was such a big critical part of that game's success that. I don't think after that game, especially, you can deny the power of. Um, well, kind live of streaming can act as such a a hype machine, and just considering the millions of people that tune in every month to the platform, like that's yeah. a massive audience, and then that trickles out to other platforms, like um, you know, people sharing their clips on Twitter or you know, subreddits, TikTok, Instagram. Like it just it it. It, it, it expands outward just like exponentially, um, which is why you'll have games like Phasmophobia where indie game, small developer, and it's hugely successful because of Twitch. Right. Yeah. I, I think it provides something that's so 
that you can't recreate with advertisement. So like advertisements, right. people have an immediate distrust of because you just want to sell me this thing. So of course, you're only going to show me the best footage and, you know, tell me the best things about the game. But streaming, people are going to that because they they want to. They want to watch this person stream. Mm-hmm. They like their personality. They like, you know, what they sh- what they see, how they play the games. And so that as a sales as a sales pitch even is and it's quote unquote free you know what i mean like maybe you right. provide a copy of the game if you want to to the the streamer for streaming and review purposes but um a lot of times these streamers don't they buy their own games and it's just oh this new interesting little game came out i'm gonna buy it mm-hmm. and then um you get this this free advertisement that's just completely you know un un I don't know how to how to say it. Like it's just not something that you can get with your standard typical marketing avenues, basically. Right, and I think one of the examples we could go on for this. We need to have an episode that's just yeah. about like live streaming. But one of the examples that I think sort of demonstrates the the reach of Twitch and how much it's impacted game, like just gaming in general, is the fact that we now have games that are um, that have Twitch integration. Yeah, because these developers know that there's an audience just waiting to react to their products um, and assist streamers in playing through those products, right? So There's that game that they showed at the, the Nintendo Indie Showcase that was like, um, I'm forgetting the name, if it was Route, 60, Route 96 or Road 96. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I heard on another podcast that there's going to be Twitch integration with that. So it's that whole procedural oh, narrative oh, thing. That's and there's cool. going to be a way for your Twitch community, if you have one, to chime in and and help, mm-hmm. you know, give you feedback or help you steer the narrative. And that's, yeah, that's yeah. really... That kind of stuff is really fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, what else? So Sony reversed its decision to take down the PS3, PSP, Vita stores. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't regret the games that I ran out and bought because <laughs> they were games that I should have... I wasn't going to ask. <laughs> Not judging over here. <laughs> no, I, I... They were games that I wanted anyway and that I probably would have gotten eventually, so... I'm glad to have them um, because it's the they, those were the games that I would think about or see and be like, oh, I should go buy that. Oh, I should go buy that. And so finally I did it. I have them. So I'm happy about that. Um, and I'm just happy in general that there's so many people out there that can access them. I know there are people that are like, I'm not necessarily going to run out and buy them, but I'm glad that they're there. And that's my whole thing about backwards compatibility and having storefronts that are that that allow you to purchase or access um games from entire back catalogs like i wish sony would expand it more obviously but um i think it's important and valuable and i mean talk about streaming i think it just makes it so much easier for streamers if you have this this store where your chat keeps telling you to play this game like you're playing the new resident evil and they're like what you've never played alone in the dark and you can just go buy it and stream it like that would make it so much easier so um, Discord supposedly reportedly, according to the Wall Street Journal, is no longer seeking acquisition by Microsoft. Yeah. So Interesting. I mean, that, but that was one of those stories where it was like, I don't know. I just didn't really know what to do with it. And like now I'm like, yeah, so, okay. <laughs> um, I don't, it, does, it didn't say that they're no longer seeking acquisition. It just said that they're no longer, that Microsoft is out of the, out of the discussion. So. Which is very curious. Yeah. Um, we'll probably. I think probably never know i think yeah but i think we can make an educated guess and say that microsoft someone at microsoft probably heard our episode Mm 
and heard me questioning like where does it fit into their portfolio and they were like yeah that's actually that's a good question <laughs> cancel the deal so uh, i'm sure we have such <laughs> sway so <laughs> so much power it's ridiculous we have to be very cautious about how we, we use do it, we but, do um, we must be ethical <laughs> yep <laughs> Uh, and then, I guess, lastly, Jeff Kaplan uh, announced that he's leaving Blizzard. Mm-hmm. Um, I have never been... I, I like Blizzard from afar. I've never mm-hmm. been into many Blizzard games, so I don't have much of a stake. I don't really know what this means for the company, but right. a lot of people seem to be taking this pretty seriously. So, Well, he's not the only one to be leaving Blizzard, right? Haven't there been quite a few recently? Or I think so, but I, I think he's kind of... I mean, he's like the face of Overwatch, so I think yeah, it's kind yeah. of like a, you know... Yeah. Maybe this is sort of the last... Not, not, not last, but maybe this is sort of like the the one that's turning all the heads and saying, okay, well, something must be happening if someone like... Someone of that right. status is leaving. Yeah, exactly. But anything, what about you? Anything you've noticed that you... No, I am very much in the uh, the tunnel of, of grading. <laughs> we, so much grading. We have a week and a half left for the semester. Same for you, right? We're on the same yes, schedule. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that's its yeah. own thing. And My... trying to wrap up the dissertation, so... Yeah, my my students turn in their final projects on Monday, so next week is going to be my my big grading week. So I definitely <laughs> feel you. But then it's done. Resident Evil's uh, coming out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing but good sunshiny days ahead. So speaking of sunshiny days, not really. I just like doing that to transition because I don't I don't know how to transition. Excellent. But what uh what have you been playing? Um, I did not play a ton, like over the weekend, but. I've been playing more Zoo, I almost said Zoo Tycoon, Planet Zoo, and um, Emily is Wait. So those are, those are the only two. I don't really have much more to say. Like I am very much getting into like the sort of in-game, I guess, economy in the franchise mode. So I'm trying to like save up my conservation points so I can have like some elephants and some giraffes someday. Yeah. But like you have to learn how to like game the system. And then some people are like, oh, some means are more like ethical. But it's like it's a game. It's pixels, man. Like just give me the quick. (laughs) Give me the quick points. So I have like this cheetah breeding program going because they're within my price range and I can breed them relatively quickly and get like a decent <laughs> like amount of conservation credits. But then I have to keep track of like what cheetah belongs to what family because you don't want inbreeding and shit like that. So it's it's like I just want to play the game and have some giraffes, man. Like what? <laughs> I love. How I you don't went. have to be playing in franchise <laughs> mode, but I've been enjoying it. So. Well, but I love how you went last week. You're like. I'm role playing myself as an actual zoo owner, and now you're like, whatever, it's pixels. Like, <laughs> it's fucking pixels, man. <laughs> if it helped me get the damn giraffes, I'll yep. just remove myself from that role playing, <laughs> role playing role. Uh, um, but um, I know we both have thoughts on on Emily as a way, so I'll kind of hold off on that. So, what have you been playing? Yeah, and I'll hold off on that too because I feel like that that will be a really good transition into our feature, yes. which is you know games, you know having an emotional impact on us mm-hmm. because 
from what we have shared about it, our experience with it, it did. A range um, of emotions. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think we can even get into that, too, because uh, we are talking about games making us sad. But really, I think the bigger picture is games, you know, provoking emotion. Mm-hmm. Sadness happens to be one of the easiest to detect because sadness often results in crying, you know, and that's like, oh, you cried when you're sad. But I you you and I, to an extent, I, I will talk about this more, but like we're not happy criers necessarily. So I'm not playing Mario like this is so great. You know, right. right. So like happiness is, I think, a little bit harder to track. But um, before that, so I had my family came up. They've all been vaccinated. I just got my second vaccine today, actually. Yeah. I know I'm I'm just happy to have it kind of out of the way. I haven't exactly I just got it. I, feel. <laughs> <laughs> I just got it a few hours ago, so I haven't felt any side effects yet. But um. But so, so far, I'm just like, yeah, it's out of the way. I'm done with it. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw my family for the first time in a very long time. My mom, my sister, my niece and nephew. And we played a lot of VR games. Um, I won't go into too much detail. We didn't play them, any of them extensively because we were kind of jumping around a lot. Um, but I did play some of the games that you talked about when we had our VR episode, like Pistol Whip, which I thought was great. Yes. Um, it reminds me of a combination of super hot and beat saber because it's that same art style of like the um vector style graphics i think i would call it uh and then the rhythm but Mm -hmm. the thing is it's it's more forgiving because with beat saber especially when you start getting into the higher difficulties you have to be (laughs) very precise yeah but with with um with pistol whip you can you don't really have to follow the beat. You get more points for it. But yeah, yeah. But like when my sister and niece were playing, a lot of times they were just shooting. They were like, oh, there's a person shoot. And I was like, right. that's fine. The game doesn't really tell you go on beat. But what you, if I'm remembering correctly, you were saying that you didn't, you were like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep on beat, but you just found yourself naturally like mm-hmm. going along with it. And that was the same with me as I, I wasn't necessarily like tapping my foot, but I was feeling the music and then yeah, just kind just of like, like in your body. Right. And then just like boom, boom, Right, exactly. Yeah. So and the way that <laughs> Not they that design anyone can see that on the <laughs> But there were parts that were confusing. Like there were parts where there's these enemies, I think, would come out and they were dancing. And I think I'm supposed to shoot through them, but I'm like, they're unarmed. What do I, what do, I do? Yeah. Do I just you let them dance? You could also pistol whip them if they're close enough. Yeah, I was yelling at my sister because she wasn't doing it. She was like, <laughs> she would panic when they got too close. And I'm like, the game is called Pistol Whip for pistol a reason. Yeah, hit them, hit them. <laughs> just damn it. <laughs> um, we played just Arizona Sunshine. Person. <laughs> <laughs> um, we played Arizona Sunshine, which we had some problems with. We were having a lot of those kind of standard VR issues that's not universal to all, all VR games, but certain mm-hmm. VR games have, seem to have problems with navigation and manipulating things in the environment. And so that was kind of bothering us was like, you know, it was hard to open a car door or a trunk. Um, and so some sometimes it was just frustrating because then we would get caught up and then a zombie would appear behind us and we would die. And it was like, well, it didn't feel fair. Uh, I think I need to spend more time with it because I liked the shooting. The shooting was very realistic and very accurate, which mm-hmm. I thought was really cool. So I think I just need to spend more time with it to kind of get a better appreciation of it. But um, And then the other stuff, we played some super hot, Beat Saber, Paranormal Activity, stuff like that. Um, I didn't play any New Vegas this week. 
I was sucked in. I was it had its hooks in me, and then my PS3's red light started blinking. And I'll try to keep this short, but it was a whole adventure because I the the PS3 was working, so it wasn't the red light of death um, or the yellow light light of death. It wasn't mm-hmm. you know overheating to the point where it wouldn't work. It was working, but the red light would flash after it had been off for a, a while. Um, so it ran fine. I was playing, and then I would turn it off. It would be fine. I'd wake up the next morning and the light would be blinking. From everything I knew, it was probably an overheating issue. And I wasn't surprised because this PS3 is an 80 gigabyte PS3 from not the launch. It was from the launch window. It wasn't the first, I think, few months, but it was after a number of like three months or six months or something, they came out with this 80 gigabyte fully backwards compatible version. It's that version. So it's still the quote unquote fat PS3. Mm-hmm. Um and so I'm like, this is an old system. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some dust in there and all that stuff. So maybe it's overheating. So I opened it up. I did not take apart the motherboard. So I opened it up. I took out the the uh, optical drive. I took out the um, power unit. And I just dusted everything off. There wasn't a lot of dust. But I cleaned everything. I put it back together. And I was like, maybe that'll be good. It wasn't. The next day, the light was blinking. So I'm like, well... I looked it up and it might have been that the thermal paste had dried out. And so I was like, okay, I'm a little bit nervous about doing that. I've I've replaced thermal paste. When I was in the Air Force, I um, was a computer operator. So I worked on IT stuff. I've done lots of computer repairs. I've replaced thermal paste on um, PC CPUs, but I was like, I've never done it with a system. And so I was a little bit more nervous because this is an old system and like I cherish it because it's fully backwards compatible. But I did it. I took it apart. I replaced the the um, thermal paste on both the CPU and the GPU. Um, I put it back together. I was a little bit nervous that it wouldn't start up. It started up. So I felt like, okay, well, it's completely dusted out and cleaned. It has new thermal paste. If it's a heating issue, it shouldn't be that. It should be totally fine. The, the fan was working. There's nothing blocking the ventilation, all that good stuff. Right. Uh, and it, it turned on. I let it run for like a half an hour. Everything seemed fine. Next morning, I woke up, the light's blinking again. So my PS3 is not broken, but it's like something is going on with it. I don't know what it is. I didn't. I was messing with it the whole week trying to fix it. So I didn't get to play any. It is, I think. Like, I I could just send it to... um, There's this this woman that I started following on TikTok who does console repairs, and I'm like, what state are you in? (laughs) Because she seems incredibly knowledgeable about that side of things, and I'm, I'm, I'm woefully lacking in my my experience um but aside from that i played the resident evil village village demo um and it was only 30 minutes because that's it's a time demo but it was fun i tried not to rush through it was weird because like part of me was like do it just go through it you know what i mean like get you know get as much as you can get as far as you can in 30 minutes but then part of me is like but i want to enjoy it i want to look at like the pictures on the wall and you know the little details in the environment because the the environment is so beautifully rendered um so i was somewhere kind of in the middle i fought a few what i uh, assumed to be lichens um the shooting and the combat seemed very good uh and satisfying the graphics were amazing so i'm just you know just more i don't even need to play these demos but i'm like and maybe it's just making my hype. We talked about hype and how dangerous that yeah. is, but this is one of the few games where it's like I can't, I can't help it. I'm just, 
I'm just super, super hyped for <laughs> well, it. Well, so. I can't wait to watch you play it because yeah, that's going to be fun for me. Definitely. So, very much a spectator <laughs> with this. And the semester will be over, so it'll be, yes. we'll both have time, so. We should yeah. both, like, order the same food, like wings or pizza or something, and, like, get into it. Yeah. <laughs> Lady, let's see. How can we turn Lady D into a food? Lady Mickey D's. <laughs> Lady. <laughs> All right, someone's obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> How can you not be? Did you see her? Did you see that clip of her chasing after Ethan? It's kind of going around. She chases no. you like Mr. X. There was the idea. Everyone thought that she would. Oh. But I think it was Sony. Did They just released this video of her chasing you through these doors. And she's she calls you like a little man. She's like, you're a stupid little man or something like that. So, you know. Wow. Wow. Saved that to my hard drive. But, um. So we should probably <laughs> probably move on to yes. Let's let's move on to the game that we both played right. um, and get into the feels. Yep. All right. So Emily is away. Um, is this one officially just Emily is away with the heart? Is there? I think are so. You, are you calling it Emily is away three? Like how are you referring to it? Colloquially, I've seen a lot of people calling it Emily is away three. Okay. Okay. Um, and I think that's what the heart—the heart is a play on, you yeah, know, and it's yeah. three. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 calling it Emily is away three. Okay, all right. So we both played Emily is away three, and we actually took some similar paths. Mm -hmm. I think. Um, I do we need to provide much much premise for the game? Because I don't know how to like. How are we going to talk about the emotional stuff without spoiling, or do we not care? I think I mean we're gonna have to spoil some stuff for the <laughs> other games that we're probably that are probably gonna come up. So mm -hmm. um, we'll just give we won't go through specific story points, but but okay. I okay. think we will we will be spoiling. So if you do plan on playing em Emily Is Away three, which I think we would both recommend it. Yes. Um, Play all of them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 And the first one is free. I always like to mention yep. that. So go pick that up. Um, but we will. So we will be going through. I, let's just blanket spoil okay you know spoilers we spoiler need a little alerts. spoiler sound yeah. or something <laughs> um and so yeah we're definitely going to spoil stuff i yeah. guess we should give some background we talked about it when we talked about indie games but the emily is away games are um i don't know if it's a real category i just call them desktop simulators because yeah. they simulate an old desktop environment on a computer usually like a windows xp type of thing that's what that's mm -hmm. what this one does um and you the the primary gameplay mechanic is just chatting so you're mm -hmm. in the other two games you're using AOL instant messenger so you're just using right. this old school chat function to talk with these fan, you know fictional characters uh, in this one it's a, a fictional version of Facebook called Facenook so it's still chat and still messaging, um, but there are these other elements where you can set up your profile, you can Re get into respond poke to posts, wars, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's all very guided, so it's not like you just get this version of Facenook, which is kind of what I thought might might be the case. It's a little bit more guided than that, um, but you do it is very like you go to a, a fake version of YouTube. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what it's called actually, though. Do you? 
YouTube. I don't remember. Is it just tube, T-O-O-B? <laughs> but it's just like, yeah, yeah. which I thought was actually very fascinating. So before we get into the boohoo crying stuff, the boo-hoo <laughs> <laughs> I thought that element of it was so interesting. So one of the things that he's trying to, Kyle Seeley, the developer, is trying to tap into is playlists. So mm-hmm. back in the day, because the game takes place in 2008, um, one of the things people would do is they would create these YouTube playlists and then share them, kind of like what would become Spotify playlists. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you would make this playlist to evoke some kind of feeling like you're sad or you're you're excited, you're pumped up or you're in love or whatever. And then mm-hmm. you'd share it with like specific people. Um, and so in order to do that, he has these characters share their playlists with you and you go to it and the site that you actually land on is this page on emilyisaway.com that has the, the facade of 2008 YouTube, a a fictional version of it. It looks like 2008 YouTube. It has the play buttons and the comment sections and the recommended videos and stuff like that. But it's actually pulling from real YouTube. The video section of it is an embedded video from YouTube. So when a character's like, go check out my playlist, you see a fake YouTube, but you're seeing real YouTube videos. So you mm-hmm. actually get to watch those music videos and hear the music. And some of them were like, holy shit, I remember this. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, some of them were like the Lady Gaga. There was, um, was it Poker Face? Yes. I think it was Poker Face, yeah. It was like, that was one of the first ones that I saw. And that one seems a little more timeless to me, maybe because I like Lady Gaga and I listen to a lot of her music. But there were other bands and stuff that I like, like Against Me, that I didn't really listen to and I haven't thought about in forever. So hearing that, hearing them, I was like, oh shit, like definitely like instant nostalgia. Um, and I th- one, of, one of the things I thought was so interesting about that is like, that's this is one of those games that eventually will probably be lost to time and yeah. it's very hard to preserve because if those links to those videos change or those videos go down and Kyle Seeley is not keeping up with it anymore mm-hmm. that changes you know then your character's like go check out my playlist and it's, it's three empty. videos right yeah, it's five like videos this person hates me exactly yeah <laughs> check out my playlist cannot play video cannot play video cannot play video god damn it um you know, that's the last thing I think he's probably worried about. In the in the now, they all work, and it creates this really cool instant shot of nostalgia. So Yes, absolutely. And for me, this is going to kind of date me a little. <laughs> um, so the game is 2008, and it's, it's um, high school students going into senior year. For me, 2009 was my first year of undergrad. And so this game in particular really spoke to me because it was much closer to like my experience with right. like online communication and, and relationships and things like that. So it definitely took me back. And I'm, I'm very excited to um, play through it a second time with my, I'm, I, okay, I'm probably going to play it two more times. I'm going to do like my playthrough <laughs> with, with Evelyn and then I'm going to do a third playthrough with my partner and just have her make decisions. Because it was so funny. It, one um, one evening we were sitting up in bed and she was working and I was on my laptop playing Emily is Away. And she looked over and she's like, who are you talking to? Because <laughs> at a glance, it looks like it looks old real. school Facebook. Yeah. Right? 
Um, and I was telling her about how I was getting into poke wars and things like that. And so I think it it will be really fun to experience with someone who, um, you know, also was going to college at that time. And just like because um, we were in a relationship then and it, it really brought back like a ton of memories um, and the stupid poke wars and things mm-hmm. like that. Like so that's a game that gave me a lot of happy feels initially. But then <laughs> I was frustrated, Kyle. I want you to know. <laughs> Why do you hate us? I, we Why haven't, do you hate us? We haven't done interviews, but we've we've definitely been. We're going to try to figure out the logistics. We should we should try right to get now. him on the podcast <laughs> and just open with that question: Why do you hate us, yeah. and who hurt you? <laughs> because that ending that we both got and a bunch of people got it's it was oh. the most popular ending according to my final statistics page rushing yeah so, so i yeah uh, sorry i yeah i i forgot to respond to one of the messages you sent me one of the marco polos i think you sent me a little while ago but we have to compare more closely our some of the differences decisions yeah but for the most part we ended up in roughly the same place because i pursued emily I trusted her for the most part, mm-hmm. I think. I didn't really succumb to, like, gossip and the whole, I guess this is where spoilers come in, the whole, like, Jeff thing. And I was supportive. And at the end of the summer, she was like, bye, bitch. And my heart was broken. <laughs> at the, I, well, I thought it was at the beginning of the summer. For me, it was the beginning. She wanted oh, to take I a break for the but... summer. Mm-hmm. And so... And because because your friend, Matt, one of his questions is like, well, how long is this going to last? And your response is like, I have no idea. Like, this might just be it, you know. Um, So we should say, though, like we we set up the premise of the game, but the the gameplay is essentially a social simulator. So Mm -hmm. you cut you converse with people. It's kind of a romance sim as well. Um, You don't necessarily have to find romance, but you can. And so. Basically, the game plays out in these conversations that you have with, like, friends and, you know, this person who you're trying to potentially romantically pursue. Mm -hmm. The first two games were more pointed about that. You were trying to pursue this person. Um, And in this one, it's a little bit, a little bit more open to the point where you can, I think, pursue just a friendship. Like, if you were just like, I think this person seems cool. I want to be their friend. I think, I think that's an option. I think that's one of the endings. Um, but I think what's cool about that is it sets up this like this universality between them because for me, as I mentioned when we talked about the indie games, Emily is away and Emily is away too was more close to my experience growing up because they took place the same year or year after I was in high school. I was a senior. So I was having absolute kind of like you're saying, like this was like my life at that time. Mm -hmm. I did join Facebook very early. I was in college. And so I joined it when you could only join when you had a .edu account. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I didn't have quite the same experience. But the conversations that you have with your friends and these people, these, you know, the people you're trying to woo, these two girls, um, that stuff is universal. That stuff, it doesn't matter the platform. If it's AOL, Instant Messenger, texting, Facebook, whatever, they're the same. And I was totally drawn into that. And like you said, I think that's what made the ending so painful was I knew, I, I suspected, I highly suspected that there would be an option for a happy ending in this one. In the first game, there's not. And the second game there is, you can get a happy ending. So I thought, oh, well, this one's just going to be maybe a more robust version of the second game. Right. And like you said, I was very, I was trying to be myself. 
I chose Emily, like, honestly, okay, so another thing, I'm forgetting <laughs> listeners who may, may not be familiar with it. There, are, When you start the game, there are these two girls, Evelyn and Emily. And on the first day or the first chapter of the game, you start to get to know both of them, and then you have the option of choosing one of their parties to go to. Right. The person you choose to go to, who, the person's party that you choose to go to, that's the person you're going to be romancing or pursuing. And when I was getting to know them, I was like, you know what? I would probably choose Evelyn in real life. I'm I'm definitely more, especially if I'm like role playing this high school senior. If if I was in high school, I was wearing all black. I had like the shaved head, which I still do. Um, but I was into alternative and rock and occasionally I would like paint my mm-hmm. nail and like dye my beard and stuff like that. So I definitely would have been more of an Evelyn type. Um, but for some reason, I mean, the game's called Emily is away. So I'm like, well, I should start with Emily. Right. Um, and then you basically from then on, every chapter is kind of advancing that that relationship if you choose to. And in the midst of other drama. Right. And I was trying to balance being myself and answering honestly while mm-hmm. also attempting to woo her. You know what I mean? To be a good partner, a good communicator. Um, and like you said, I was trying so careful to do everything right. I was like, I'm going to trust her. You know, there starts these rumors start popping up that maybe, you know, she's flirting with this other guy online and you can see some of it. And I think that taps into that that idea that's be- that goes beyond AIM, which is in the AOL Instant Messenger of the previous games of like, it's not just through Instant Messenger. Now you get to see these profiles and you get to see these exchanges publicly. And so you get to see some of that and you might very well be jealous or suspicious. But I was like, nope, I'm going to trust her. She's given me no reason. And I'm going to I'm going to be a good I'm going to be supportive and like, yeah, do this. She said that she values friendships. She's like, friendships are more important than mm. significant others. And so when my friend Matt had his heart broken and he's like, oh, you know, I need someone to hang out with. I was like, I'm there for you. Emily will understand because she appreciates good friendships. I made the other decision. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, but we both ended up in the same place. Yep. We, we just, at the end, at the end of the day, she was like, I just feel like we're friends we're not really partners. And so, you know, for me, it started with a disagreement about the beach. Our friend Matt was like, let's go to the beach. Right. And I was like, hey, do you want to go? And she's like, no, nah, I don't really want to go. And I was like, oh, that's weird. She's normally so mm-hmm. amenable and all that. Um, and to get to the crying stuff, that fucking gutted me. Like, it Aww. tapped into some trauma. <laughs> and that, okay, let me let me pause for a second. I'm talking for a long time. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I, I want to let you jump in because I, I want to get into the crying stuff. But mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I've been talking a lot. And I have a lot to say. So um, well, that's a good that's a good place to kind of enter in then because mine is going to start heading towards like the emotional stuff too. Okay. So as I said, like I tried to do what I thought was like good for me and Emily throughout. I trusted her. I believed her. I didn't fall prey to like the, the stuff that like Matt was putting out there. Yeah. And then when it came to the beach thing, that's when it really started to snowball into this, like, I'm not sure if we should be together and I think I prefer the way that Matt handles relationships and things like that. And it just, it was like spiraling out right. of control. And I kept saying things like, I don't really understand. At least yeah. initially I was like, you know, explain this to me. 
And that's where I started to feel gutted because everything was just falling apart and nothing that I said, like, I love you, Emily, and stuff like that. It didn't matter. It didn't fucking matter. And that's where I started to feel myself like I didn't actually cry, but I got damn close. (laughs) Wow. I sobbed. I was crying. I, my head hurt. It was that kind of crying. Mm. I didn't, okay, I didn't sob. Maybe that's a little dramatic. Um (laughs) I, there hey, have hey, been games that is, have made this me. This is a this is a safe <laughs> space. You don't need to be ashamed. Well, but it but it wasn't guttural. It wasn't like <laughs> right. Uh, but there was like tons of tears. I was so congested. I had to keep blowing my nose. Oh, um, but I think part of okay. So let, we're going to get into the crying stuff. Yeah. And yeah. talking about how there are these different responses to mm-hmm. when you cry during a game, and we'll talk about example other examples. Mm-hmm. But for me, this example was because it was tapping into real trauma and like real experiences also can i just say like this ties perfectly into that but when you have let's say a fantastical world where a character dies okay we can identify with death but maybe we can't as closely identify to say the world or the circumstance right going on a hero's journey or whatever and losing a friend along the way however when you have a game like emily is away three that is so relatable like not just the idea of like unrequited love but the very interface through which that expression is kind of coming through like that is so close to our like average everyday experience right and i think that's what makes these games so impactful for some people not for everyone Mm -hmm. everyone has different experiences but for people like us who are I, i i think it's safe to say that we're both pretty um empathic Mm -hmm. and sensitive like when we play a game like this it is so effective at recreating situations that you might be familiar with Mm -hmm. and on one hand that's great because you're like oh i remember this this feeling of like magic of like flirting and you're like not really sure where this is going and you're you're really hopeful but you know that anything that you say could kind there of were moments that things. I was anxious because I was like, oh, God, how's this going to go? Right. Like, Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, I wanted to be honest. So I'm like, ah, I don't want to lie and just say the thing I think she wants to hear, especially because she indicates at some point that she doesn't want that. She doesn't want someone who's just going to, like, agree with her. So I'm like, I want to be honest. But, like, what if she doesn't like that? What if she's like, this isn't the guy? But no, then when she's like, oh, my God, is this a date? And you're like, yeah, we're, we're going to go on a date and play Mario yeah. Kart together. It's like this feeling of euphoria. I was I was grinning. I remember messaging you. I was like, I'm fucking grinning like a goof. And that's a, a line from the game, too. Yeah. Um, and so just as as powerfully as it can recreate those feelings, it turns it around and it says, oh, but also, do you remember what it feels like mm-hmm. to have your heart broken? Do you remember what it feels like to have the other person say they don't love you anymore? They don't they're not interested in even trying to continue this and you suspect and you can't really confirm it because you don't want to be confrontational or you don't want to be a a jerk and like make this an unfair one-sided thing so you're not going to push but you suspect it might be because there's someone else like fucking jeff (laughs) right exactly um and that i have experienced that and versions of that and like it was just so crushing Mm -hmm. um but in a way it's like it makes me appreciate it more. Literally that whole night I was just bummed after the ending of that and it felt cuz it felt so real. And mm-hmm. that's the thing is like my logical brain knows that it's just a game, but my emotions are like not 
not so much concerned about the game, but so concerned about reliving the trauma that it was tapping into. And And you became invested in it. And so the trauma is almost like inescapable, I think. Right. Because you're asking yourself similar questions that you do in real life. You're like, but what Mm -hmm. could I have done better? How could I have fixed that? Is there, is it, was it my fault? Cause there, is there a way we both had the same question of, is it even possible to get a good ending? Yeah. And I feel like that's a question to, to get very like meta and philosophical. That's a question <laughs> that you ask yourself when you go yeah. through a breakup that you're not ready for. Uh, you feel like you might be to blame and you start going through all these scenarios of like, maybe if I did this, maybe if I did that. Essentially, you're asking yourself, is it is there a scenario in which we could have stayed together? And if so, is it my fault that we didn't? Could I have right. done something different? And so I think that is is super interesting in terms of those specific games. Mm-hmm. Um, but you said you are going to play through Evelyn's, right? Yes. And I, I already spoiled because some honestly, stuff. I was going to go with Evelyn. If the only reason I switched and chose to go to Emily's party is because she mentioned video games, and I was like, "How can I refuse?" <laughs> okay, so. Again, spoilers for this part of the game, too. Yeah, yeah. I played through a second time. I went with Evelyn, and I was kind of doing the same thing where I'm like, I'm going to be myself. You know, mm-hmm. I, I especially with Evelyn, I feel more kind of a kinship to her. So I'm going to be myself. I don't want to be overly clingy or anything like that. But that meant that I was making many of the same choices, and I was getting many of the same responses. So I was like, fuck, this is going the same. I'm going to get two bad endings in a row. Um, because we both read that there's like five or more endings in this game. Yeah, so we know like that. that there's like other stuff. And I was like, fuck, things are going to go so wrong. And then at one point you take a compat- compatibility quiz because those were huge at the time. Mm-hmm. And the compatibility quiz that I took with Emily, we both got the same results. We had 94% with Emily. Yes. And I was like, oh, I wonder if that's standard. So when I go do Evelyn's quiz, I'll get the same thing. No, I got <laughs> like 74% with Evelyn. She was in third place. Oh, and I was shit. a little bit like in real life. I was a little bit like, "Fuck, is that is she going to think that means she's going to read into that?" Disqualified, <laughs> right? And so I was very worried, and um, I did make some different choices based in part on my previous playthrough with Emily, and I ended up with the happy ending, and we stayed together, and we were happy, and it said only point three percent of people had gotten that ending. That is interesting. I know. So it's like what I I when I look at my choices and what I did differently, there wasn't there were only a couple of key things. And one of them was where with Emily, I just sort of trusted her completely. I never brought up Jeff. I was like, I'm not even going to broach the subject because she doesn't deserve that. And she was like, see ya. With Evelyn, I brought it up. And then we talked about it a little bit and and it was a little contentious. Like she was a little bit like, well, it's nothing. Why are you worried about it? And I was mostly like, I'm just saying, like, I don't trust him. This seems kind of weird. But in the end, I was like, it's fine. I'm going to drop it. Let's just move on. And I'm wondering if that's it, because that was like one of the only big changes. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's interesting to me, and we haven't played all the endings, so we're not really trying to give our full analysis here. But I wonder what the game does say about things like communication, like Mm -hmm. healthy communication, being open and communicative and not not pushing, not crossing boundaries, but also being willing to talk about stuff that makes your partner uncomfortable. But also, does it matter which one you pursue in behaving that way, though? Yeah. You know, if you had 
had that same sort of, I guess, confrontation with Emily, would it have gone as well? Yeah, or she would she have been more sensitive, you know? Mm-hmm. Are the personalities defined so clearly? I don't know, because like I said, some of Emily, Evelyn's responses were very similar. She wasn't quite as unique as I thought she was going to be. Okay. Um, but there must be, you know, if there's two different characters, it must not just be an aesthetic thing. There must be some some differences there. So, right. yeah. And then I found some secrets. I went and looked up secrets. There's like a secret little Farmville game and, Ooh. yeah, a secret um, version of, I think it's a version of a site called, I think it was Dig, and they call it Doug. Um, there's a, so, you know, there's that Twitter account, can you pet that dog or can you pet mm-hmm. the dog? There's a whole secret. I think it's just you put this dog in and it's just a dog and you can pet it. And it's like, yes, you can pet the dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So got to check that box. But, um, but yeah, any other thoughts before we just kind of open it up into other games? I, I, I just want to say that I think this is a great kind of opener because it shows the complexity of like emotional response with these kinds of games. Like for me, definitely had nostalgia, happiness, good times, but then also like that roller coaster, right? Yeah. Of, like, like, you know, you, you were talking about like trauma and we both had feelings of, um, sadness mm-hmm. and, and just doubting and maybe even a little bit of, of regret maybe, um, and it's interesting that such a brief text can like do that to you, you yeah. know, um, which, which leads me to, um, a slight distinction that I would like to make in some of the games that I'm going to be discussing. Um, I think there are games like Emily is Away 3, really all, all, all three of the games, um, where I feel like I have an emotional response to the text just in general. And it may include moments of like the breakup, the unrequited love that are like especially gutting and will stick with me. But then there are other games where like maybe I don't feel as emotional throughout my playtime with them, but there are, there's like a specific moment that really made me go, ouch, that hurt or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, Are there any further distinctions that you would like to make? Only that you had mentioned in our our conversations before this that you don't really happy cry. Mm-hmm. I don't really either, but there are games that I love so much that I'm I don't want to end. And it's usually RPGs that I'm spending dozens, if not hundreds, yeah. of hours with. Um, where I think the love for the game heightens my emotions such that the ending which wouldn't normally make me cry or be emotional does because i'm it's not really just the ending itself it's the culmination of my experience and the idea that i'm like leaving it behind so it's almost like Mm -hmm. a sense of loss it's like Mm -hmm. that weird sense when you finish a game that you spend a lot of time with and you feel kind of empty like you just go a few days like i don't even know what to play now so what's interesting about that though is up until this point we've been talking about things specifically within the content of the games or within the experience of playing it that like we have a reaction to but you're talking about that sort of sadness of like leaving the game behind or not having anything else to do so that's like another sort of category i think of emotional response 
Yeah, because the one I'm thinking of specifically is Persona 5. Mm-hmm. I played that game. I played it for, I think, over 150 hours my first playthrough. Mm-hmm. I did like every side quest I could find. I think I missed one, which is why I didn't get the trophy for doing all of the things and <laughs> it led to two other playthroughs. Um, Tell me that bothers you without telling me that bothers you. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, you know, it was a long playthrough and I spent I don't know a month or something like that playing it and Mm -hmm. I loved it so much it was my first persona game and I loved the characters in the world and I've said this all before um so that by the end the ending was like bittersweet because it was like a happy ending but it was it was that sense of like I I remember literally I remember through tears saying I love this game so much to no one to just to myself. <laughs> and so it was like, it was happy tears because I, my love for the game is what made me emotional. I remember specifically thinking that, but it wasn't like you said, it wasn't the content of the game necessarily. If I just, if someone just showed me that ending sequence, the cinematics that play through, I would have been like, that's nice. That's cute. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. like the content it's like a one-two punch because if it just would have ended if i would have beat the final boss and it would have been like game over i wouldn't have then got emotional and been like oh what a game but i think the game maybe i don't know if it's purposefully or not but the developers understand that you probably come to know and care about these characters and their stories in the world and then so giving you this kind of satisfying ending is cathartic in a way of like Mm -hmm. you know you have to leave it behind but you're so happy that you had that experience and so it's just like this rush of emotions kind of right coming out Mm -hmm. all right so i think from here i want to talk about poop games that gave me just like the general emotional feels okay um and because i'm going to be talking about them in that way it probably won't be as like spoiler heavy Mm -hmm. um but when i think of games that have just made me feel emotional and usually like maybe a little bit of sadness or like feelings that made me like reflective that kind of thing i actually tend to think of indie games okay and i'm thinking of games like firewatch Mm -hmm. um what remains of edith finch yeah (laughs) everybody's gone to the rapture i know some people weren't a huge fan of that game but that i don't know that one hit me in the feels a little bit uh gone home yeah and this war of mine talk about depressing (laughs) well i uh, it's interesting i didn't add that one to my list because there are games like that that made me feel more despondent Mm -hmm. like it was just so grim from the beginning yeah. That I almost didn't even really have the capacity to feel sad because I was like so, uh, so beyond that. I was just like, I just okay. felt like devoid. But but it's interesting because it is still evocative. It's evocative mm-hmm. of like almost actual like depression because depression yeah. is different than sadness for some people from in my own experience personally in mm-hmm. that I can be depressed and not realize that I'm sad because I get to a point where I think this like self-defense mechanism kicks in where instead of feeling sad i'll just feel nothing Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's kind of and i think that's why i didn't finish that game was like it didn't feel like i could ever get out of the situations that i was in right you know and it didn't feel rewarding because i'm like these people are still gonna die 
terrible well, things. Well, and it's designed to be exactly that. Right. It's supposed to be this inescapable presence of war. Yeah. And I, I agree. But agree i can't really agree with your emotions i felt similarly <laughs> in that from the very beginning it's depressive it is bleak yeah however where it really fucking hit me was that in the midst of all that there would be smaller interactions or instances or choices that you would have to make that just showed you how desperate this kind of like living in that situation would be and that was just like i mean it's it's um cliche but it was a punch to the gut like deciding like like i remember breaking into a home to try to find like food or something like we desperately needed food or medicine or something like that and it was like two old people living there i felt horrible like that like even though it's got this overall just like darkness it still manages to like drag you even further <laughs> and, as you're stealing, and that's kind of impressive as um, you're stealing your, their medicine you're like yeah <laughs> i feel <laughs> so bad <laughs> and then they added in like the kid dlc yeah oh my god so that's an example of that mm-hmm. <laughs> um when i think of games like gone home that was really touching and i guess I think I might need to sit with that one a little bit more to talk about my feelings because there is something sad, of course, about like the queer element of the story. Right. But there was also something amazing about feeling sort of seen in that representation. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's a little more of a complicated example. With games like Firewatch, um, I think it was in like the first. 10 minutes where i like nearly cried where where he's where the protagonist i forget what was the name because it's delilah and ralph from wreck it ralph (laughs) (laughs) anyways whatever his name is part of what he's sort of escaping is loss and just this grief from this past relationship and the way that that was relayed like that made me really sad yeah and then like their relationship, um, the protagonist's relationship with Delilah over the course of the game, but you never get to see Delilah. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that also was kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, and, you know, some of these games are a little messy as far as like their narrative or how they concluded, but they still managed to like, you know, get me in the feels. What Remains of Edith Finch, I think is a pretty emotional game because it's about loss and family. Um, spoiler here there's this one scene in particular where because there's a lot of death that occurs and you're trying to understand like why is this family just like afflicted with all of this this like unnatural so to speak death and in one of the scenes which i think is one of the the most um touching and just like powerful moments in the game um you play as an infant and the actions the playfulness of that infant actually leads to the kid's death right like holy shit and i i I don't remember if at the time what remains of edith finch got like a lot of attention for what it did as far as its narrative but i think that is such an amazing example of like pushing narrative in what would otherwise be considered like a walking simulator and okay so i want to comment on both gone home and this one because i think there's things that they both do so effectively so we are 
broadly just talking about like how video games have made us emotional or evoked emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are examples that we've both, we've talked about them in the past. So again, spoiler alerts for mm-hmm. games like Red Dead Redemption 2 or Ghost of Tsushima. There are moments in that where your companion, your animal companion, your horse dies mm-hmm. and it's incredibly emotional. There's an, a scene in, in Red Dead Redemption 2 where your character dies and it's very emotional, but mm-hmm. These other games are, I think, a little more subtle, but actually very effective because so with, uh, with uh, not everybody's gone to the rapture, with um, What Remains of Edith Finch, with that scene, you know, because at that point in the game, you've already gone through, I think, mm-hmm. at least two of the other deaths, maybe more. Um, so you already get the the rhythm of the game and you understand that when you come into this new, step into this new story of this character, that it's going to end in their death. This is going to be the, right. explaining how they died. And throughout, you you keep seeing these like family trees and these clues about different family mm-hmm. members. And so when you get to that scene with the baby, you immediately know what's going to happen. But it's juxtaposed with, like you said, the joy of being a baby and playing. And you get to play. And the and, music. And, the, and it's and, all colorful. And the bath toys kind of come to life, don't yeah. they? Because there's like the, it's the, like the imaginary, hopping frog or yeah. something. Yeah. And it's all so fun and colorful and joyous, but you know what's coming. And of course, they don't show it, but mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. that's part of what makes it so hard is is that 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 knowledge beforehand. It's not a surprise, yes. you know. They they set you up for it. Whereas it's w- not a surprise, and yet I was like, they can't be making me do this. Exactly, that was my thought too. When it started, I was like, no, 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 no. They there's no way even though there was no other answer there was there's no alternative there is no way out but um but yeah i was thinking the same thing i was like they i can't believe they're gonna they're gonna are they actually gonna do this or is there gonna be some twist Mm -hmm. no there was no twist and yet it wasn't a moment of like oh my god i'm pissed that they made me do this like they did it in such a (sighs) i'm gonna i'm gonna get all uh (laughs) academic here but they did it in a very effective rhetorical way right that made sense for the story and i don't think it elicits outrage it's just like another example of tragedy for this family yeah and i feel like gone home was almost the opposite so again we're all kinds of spoiler warnings Mm -hmm. spoiling the ending of gone home but in gone home if you go into the game as i think planned you shouldn't know anything about the story or the characters or anything. I think the game was intended for you to kind of unravel this mystery of like what happened to the people in this house, which is your family, your your mm-hmm. parents and your sister. And as you go through, you have to piece it together. So it's it's kind of like you said, narratively, it's a little loose because why would you not know you know what i mean well how would you not know who these people are why do you have to solve the mystery of like who is my sister that kind of thing but you do and so you have to go through and you start piecing these clues together and the game misdirects in a couple of ways one way is it makes it feel like a horror horror game Mm -hmm. it has all these little horror elements creaking floorboards and like staticky tvs from the other room and all this stuff um and so there's a sense of foreboding, but I think it does it on purpose because then once you start finding these textual clues, these little newspaper clippings and journals and cassette tapes and all these things and start realizing what's going on, which is that your sister, you well, you don't know yet, but there's you find out that your sister is uncomfortable with something mm-hmm. and there's there's tension between her and the parents and 
she's kind of losing hope. So then that's where it starts to go. And then you get to the point where you find a scrap that says something like, um, please don't go in the attic or don't go in the attic. Right. And then you go up to the second floor and you're kind of just still exploring and you see where the attic is and it's red because there's these red Christmas lights around it. Mm -hmm. And I am not the only person I know I've read many and heard many other people. I know there are some people that didn't think this. My thought was she committed suicide. She's Mm -hmm. dead up there. And so I did everything possible to avoid going upstairs because I was like, I do not want to find that. I don't want to have to deal with that. But everything was sort of leading me to believe that. It's not an Mm -hmm. accident that me and many other people thought. Did you think that? Yeah. Yeah. It seems like, you know, it's not overt. It's not like there's a a note where she's like, I'm thinking of ending my life. It was the environmental sort of setup that led me to it. Right. Because the go the, the, that horror, that's why I say that horror thing wasn't accidental because you start Mm -hmm. thinking maybe the house is haunted. Maybe you're going to find a ghost. So you're thinking the macabre, you're thinking. It's a very clever distraction. (laughs) Right. But it's, but it's also playing into that. They want you to feel that way. And the Mm -hmm. red color around that door makes it feel like death makes it feel dangerous and so you're like you avoid it at all costs to like like i did and you go and find every other clue and you go through every room to when you're finally like all right i think i'm prepared i have to just do it and you go up there and what you find is another journal entry from your sister saying i ran away um her girlfriend uh was going to join the military and that was another Mm -hmm. conflict was she was like well my girlfriend's going off so my parents don't accept me as uh, a queer woman and my girlfriend is going off anyway so why does it matter so that's part of the reason why you're like she doesn't have anything she doesn't have anyone she's alone she ends up running away with her girlfriend and so it's this weird mix of emotions where i'm i am still sad Mm -hmm. She didn't find the acceptance that she should have that I wanted her to. And as a sister, I wish I was there for her, but Mm -hmm. she's not dead and she's with her girlfriend. You know what I mean? Like they have, there is a potential that they could start a new life and all that stuff. And they are teenagers. They're off on their own. So maybe there is, I'm, I would still be a little bit worried about them, but like I left that one. I didn't cry with that one, but I was like, Mm -hmm. I just felt like I was in a state of shock. I was like, I had to process what I was feeling. Yes, I, I felt very, very similarly. Also, I, because the game asks you to, you know, assume the role of the of the sister. Right. I kind of felt like I had failed. Right. Yeah. Because she wasn't comfortable enough to t- to to confide in me sooner and to sort of use me as an ally and maybe like swearing or um, not swearing, swaying the mm. the parents. Yeah, and there's there are key parts of like the unraveling of these clues where you get little snippets of like things that you used to do mm-hmm. as kids, make little forts and stuff like that. But there wasn't enough to make me feel like I was always there for her. She felt like she could trust me. Like at some point it did feel like I was doing the big sister thing and kind of going off and doing my own thing. I went to college, right. all that kind of stuff. So um yeah, there Which is was just a natural separation that occurs, but it's still sad. Like that alone is sad. And then you add on top of it the struggle with like identity and acceptance. And it's like, ouch. <laughs> right. And well, we should note, too, the game takes place in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And so 
I know that there's there's conflicting stories or conflicting ideas about um, coming out now. Is like some people are like kind of take it for granted that it's quote unquote easier to come out nowadays. But yeah. then there's also the pushback. Uh, I saw Billy Eichner tweet the other day. He's like, you know, we can celebrate this all we want, but there are many, many, many teens that still don't feel comfortable or still don't feel safe. But I yeah. think that's one of the reasons this game took place in the 90s was because that was before there was wider acceptance of lgbtq plus people so um taking place in the 90s it's more understandable why she wouldn't come out to her sister even if they had a close relationship right she's probably still processing her feelings and then even when she's you know clear on them she's like well what do i do what if i tell her and she tells my mom or whatever um and so like you said it's this natural separation but it's still hard to feel like but what if I would have been here? Would she have mm-hmm. felt like she could finally turn to me like before making the decision to run away from home? Right. And I like that the game leaves it at that because who knows what's going to happen? Am I going to track her down as her sister? Mm-hmm. Are, are the police going to catch them? Because they're kind of technically on the run, especially because her girlfriend was signed up to go to the military and she went AWOL. Um, are the parents out looking for them? Are they going to find them? Like it doesn't really resolve that, but it doesn't have to. That's not the story. Right, exactly. That's not the point. Yeah. And that's okay not to have that closure because who would that closure be for anyway? It would be for us and not for like the character, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, because it's about her her finding herself and then what that means for the family. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, playing that, even though I've played it several times, it always kinda hits me a little. Like mm-hmm. not as much of course as like the first time but it's i don't know i think what it does it does uh particularly well yeah absolutely there were that brings to mind another indie game that i've brought up before so i feel like bringing up the same games but um secret little haven which mm-hmm. is that which is another desktop simulator and i've given a breakdown before but i'll, I'll just mention again very briefly it's a what i think is an autobiographical game um by a trans developer kind of sharing i don't know if it's exactly her you know journey through kind of self-discovery or just an approximation but it Mm -hmm. seems very autobiographical to me um and it's about this young trans girl finding a community through this like sailor moon fan community or fictional sailor moon fan community um and going through some experimental like you know kind of thought experiments about gender and identity and um the ability to be who you are and all that kind of stuff. And that game made me made me emotional twice. Once was because of the relationship with her dad, the character's dad, your 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 dad as the character. Um, because he's very controlling. He's the main antagonist of the story. Mm. He's very controlling. He's not understanding. He has all these expectations for you as a young boy because he doesn't understand the trans thing at all. He wants you to, to shape you into this young man kind of thing. Um, but then there's a moment later on of climax where you you know you you stand up for yourself and it actually resolves itself in a pretty satisfying way, which was surprising. I did not expect that. And so I had this emotional feeling because again, I have my own father issues and stuff like that, um, where I was like happily surprised. And then the end of the game, it was a happy ending. I won't, you know, specifically spoil it, but it was a happy ending. And I felt um, there was that cathartic release of emotions again, where I wasn't sad, but 
I was so worried about this story going down a darker, more like, you know, sad path that when it didn't, it was like a sense of relief. <laughs> um, and so that was a little bit easier to process than something like Gone Home, which like we talked about at the end, it was a little bit like getting hit with a ghost truck <laughs> where you're like, what just happened? Am I, did some, am I hurt? Like you're like feeling your body, like oh, I have a broken bone. Um, I do think that there are a lot of examples that we were, that we've probably come up with that are a little bit more explicit or, um, I don't want to say cheap. I feel like that's a little unfair, but one of the easiest ways to evoke emotions from players is death. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the games that I brainstormed on my own, that's what it came down to was character deaths. Um, spoiler for the opening of The Last of Us. That's a pretty famous one. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very well executed. I think mm-hmm. I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't call it cheap. Um, it's done in a very filmic way that right. is not going to be too surprising to people, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> it was I say that because it was surprising to me because when I played, I I had avoided most discussion of the game, which it was a Wait, very... are we talking about The Last of Us or The Last of Us Part Two? The the first one, Last of Us. Okay, okay. Um I hadn't heard much of the discuss I avoided most discussions of it. I knew, you know, it was about this man and this young girl. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. So when I first started playing I wasn't even clear if this was Ellie or not. I know I'm pretty sure they said her name. So I think there was a little bit of like, well, who is this girl? Um, But to, again, spoil some of The Last of Us 2, the premise is a it's a zombie apocalypse game. And the first scene in the game happens pre-pandemic or pre-apocalypse. So Joel, one of the main characters, is at home with his daughter and they're just doing normal dad and daughter stuff. And they actually let you play through that stuff. And Naughty Dog is really good at that, at letting you play through really small, minor, menial things, doing dishes and all that kind of stuff. I don't think you do dishes, but, you know, just doing stuff around the house, getting to walk around and comment on little pictures and board games and stuff. Um, and then they start hearing gunshots and things start kind of going crazy. So they have to leave the house and they run into this checkpoint where they're these soldiers and um, they're yelling and there's a lot of confusion and they shoot his daughter because they don't know mm-hmm. if they're infected. Um, that doesn't excuse it. I'm not trying to excuse it, but it's that's that's what happens. They shoot his daughter and you as Joel have to take her and carry her. And it's like it's so heartbreaking. But I, I feel like so many games on my list have some kind of moment like that where there was a character death mm-hmm. that struck me. Um, and that's why I think I'm glad that we started with the games that we did because, well, again, I don't think that it's cheap that I was sad that a character died. I do feel like that sort of, if I ask someone, have you ever cried at a game? They're going to go to the deaths. They're going to be like, oh, Mm -hmm. in this game, when this character died, the walking dead is another example that you brought up. There's a moment (laughs) in that in season one, I think the end of season one. I think so. Yeah. Episode one. But even just like the setup for coming across clementine and the trauma of like losing parents Mm -hmm. and like knowing what that means for her right in the midst of the zombie apocalypse like there's so many moments like that in the game most of it tied to you know loss and and grief but it's still it's still got to me 
even though it's the bloody zombie apocalypse, like, you know, there are going to be people who die, but they have a way of narratively drawing you into these characters so that you're invested in them. Yeah. And you actually care about like, well, how did they end up here? And I think that's what made that ending of that episode or season or whatever it was called. So heartbreaking. It wasn't the death of, I can't remember his name. Do you remember his name? The character that accompanied. I know. I have to to look it up. This is, Um, yeah, Clementine, Clementine and, and, oh, I got to specify that it's Telltale. (laughs) Ralph from Ralph Breaks the Internet. Um, I'm like, Greg, it's not Greg. It's not Greg. (laughs) Um, Lee. 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 Okay. I kept thinking Joel too. And I'm like, I'm just thinking the other father figure. Yeah. (laughs) Combining. So Lee. The death of Lee, like, of course, you do come to like Lee and appreciate Lee. And so his death is tragic in in and of itself. But Mm -hmm. the tragedy is more, like you said, for Clementine, because there's that sense at the beginning where you're sort of sad because, like you said, she lost her parents. And now and she's retaining. They don't automatically write her as this like now she's hard and undistrustful. She still has this like. Naivete, naive, naive, naivete. Yeah, yeah. This naivete. Um, this well, she's a kid. She's I mean, kid, I yeah. forget how old she's supposed to be, but she's a she's a child. <laughs> right. She's still very vulnerable. Um, and so when her the bonds between her and Lee strengthen, and some of it's through tragedy, more tragedy, more hardship. Um, you start feeling safe for her you start feeling better and then that's taken away from her so again it is very tragic for lee but there's a part of me that was more like well what the fuck now for clementine you know what i mean she's already been through so much and now she's on her own like it was so loses like a third parental figure right yeah Yeah. and also like add on top of that the way that she has to lose him knowing that he will turn that he will change like that's worse i think than like like slowly watching someone sort of like change wither away like that than to just like suddenly lose them yeah absolutely because you can't stop it yeah yeah um another game i thought had an interesting point where i i was very emotional i ended up crying and it was a mix of emotions with spider-man miles morales which um, i know you haven't played yet right? i haven't played it yeah. so i'm gonna spoil a little bit but like okay. <laughs> at the end um the villain the main villain well one of the main the, the main villain does die and so and they do a fair job not a great job but a fair job at complicating that villain and mm. making it you know making them more multi-dimensional than just your standard i want to destroy the world or destroy the city kind of thing um, and so that part's sad, but for me, the part that got me more emotional and it was that weird mix of emotions of like kind of sad, but happy was the fact that throughout the game, this particular, cause Miles Morales is Spider-Man. Um, and he's, you know, the, Peter Parker still exists in this world. So Peter Parker leaves the city and he's like, all right, man, you, you got it. Like you're in charge. Um, but there are all these little things that happen in the story and in the, in the, even outside of the story in the world that you're in that leads you to feel like Miles Morales is not accepted as Spider-Man. Everyone looks at him as the other Mm Spider-Man. And the fact that he's a young black kid too, I feel like added on to that feeling of, you know, otherness and like different differentness and like being kind of 
not trusted or not thought of as equal. And you get that as the player. I At least I got that as the player going through where it's like, look, I'm doing everything that Pete, Pete does and more. I have these powers that Pete doesn't have. I'm mm-hmm. saving people. And occasionally you get people that are like, thanks. But you still there's still this general feeling of like, but I'm not good enough. I'm still not like people still don't trust me. People are still like, oh, he's messing everything up. He's the reason for the things that are happening. And at the end, your identity gets exposed to these people that you were trying to help. And it's a little bit like this, the train scene in Spider-Man 2, spoiling everything, where Peter Parker's <laughs> mask is taken off and the community's like, yeah. we won't tell your secret. That part was in that movie was powerful for me as well. And it was the same thing here where I was so touched because I think one of the games that one of the things that game does so well is depict community. They build up this community that Spider-Man lives in, that Miles lives in, and they they talk about the different cultures and the different people and their roles, and they do such a good job at making this community feel real. But that also makes it more painful that you don't feel like you're fully accepted as Spider-Man. You're you're accepted as Miles Morales, but as Spider-Man, you're just not fully trusted or or accepted. And then when your when your identity is revealed, the way that they react to you in this very loving and protective way, it was like a one-two punch of like, oh, the villain died, and that's kind of sad. Mm-hmm. But also, there's this like acceptance that you feel now, and this like love that that really got me i thought that was one of the reasons when a game ends like that it's hard not to walk away and be like what a great game you know what i mean you forget about any other like problems with it you know you're like i remember this part being for which spouse man wow spouse man what did i say <laughs> spider-man what miles morales was was a great game there's a lot of great things about it but i i think sometimes when a when an ending like that it's a really nice cap on a game that in other right, right. Uh, other ways might be not perfect but yeah i feel like um yeah i don't know that i have a moment as like touching as that we we already talked what was it a couple weeks ago about um oh when we were talking about animals and like the loss of animals so spoilers um but in ghosts of tsushima and in red dead redemption 2 you have similar um things happen but like with red dead it's that one two punch because like you witness the loss of your of your horse your companion and arthur i forget exactly what he says but like he does he thanks the horse right yeah i think so i think he says like you were you were a good girl or something yeah something like that and and then he dies and it's like oh my god as the player you've i've lost everything right because Honestly, probably my my second favorite character, quote unquote, is like the horse that I spend so much time with in in some ways. Yeah. Um, Because it's your constant companion when the people in your community and your camp are like failing you. Yeah. You know, or you or they can't help you or you can't help them. Um, And it's just like you are in some ways like you you are like the part of a community, but you are still like a cowboy, you know? Yeah. And and your horse really is your best friend. Like all those Mm -hmm. adventures that you go on without people in your camp when you're like going spelunking down these cave systems and going off to, um, you know, the big city to get a shave and a bath and a you know, play some poker or whatever, your horse mm-hmm. is always with you and you're always, you know, brushing it and caring for it and talking to it. 
um, and you protect it like we were talking about. So yeah. I think at that point in the game, like you said, you already had had pretty much accepted your fate as the character. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there was an expectation of like, well, at some point I'll like I'll get off my horse and go face my face my fate. And no, you're nope. no, it's just taken out and that's taken from you. And so like there's nothing left of you. There's no legacy. There's nothing to not that the horse it's a horse, it's not gonna continue your, you know, like give me that journal. I'm gonna I'm gonna make some ske- some horsely sketches. <laughs> <a little> prince. <laughs> right. But like but it would have been something. There would have been something mm-hmm. left behind that could have been your marker, this thing, this creature that you cared for so much. No, nope. right. yoink, take that away too. So yep. like you said, it was And we're going to a... take that away first and make you have yeah. to watch it. And yep. then we're going <laughs> to fucking take you. <laughs> yep. Um, well, does that, does that about do it? I mean, there are lots of other games. I have lots of games on my list. But, you know, again, many of them are just kind of like there was a significant death. Mm-hmm. Um, or there was just there's a lot of nostalgia. Sometimes I get misty eyed when I go back and play like Chrono Trigger because there's so many memories right. tied up in my experience with that game. Yeah. Or Earthbound or or Sweek It in Two or something, um, but I think I'm out of like interesting examples to talk about. Do you have any that you want to touch on? No, I think that's I think that's pretty good. I it's interesting though because going into this, I I initially thought like oh, the games that have like the shocking deaths or whatever would be the the experiences that that like stick with me the like more mm-hmm. but i don't i don't know that i can actually weigh those like specific moments versus the more general emotional experience with like a game as a whole you know not that it necessarily matters but yeah and i, I think one of the things we didn't talk about but i think could be interesting but it's it's hard to talk about is what about those games that have ensemble casts where characters can die but don't have to die like the mass effect games um, like what you well, know. i can't speak to that much but. right well in those games but that's the thing is you can undo it if like a character dies that you don't want to die reload a previous save you know what i mean <laughs> like go try again like try that, to try to not lose the them. sting <laughs> <laughs> yeah but there's definitely in mass effect there's still a couple of other instances that were well then that will be interesting to talk once we exactly once we play the, yep. the remasters so can't uh, can't spoil anything there <laughs> but um and i do cry nightly over the fact that lady d is not real but that's different that's different oh, God. Oh, you only have to deal with this for a couple more weeks okay <laughs> <laughs> no this is gonna continue that's not a couple more years <laughs> <laughs> um but okay well having said that next week we're gonna yes. talk about our dissertations so yeah just a little bit we'll talk about what we're researching mm-hmm. how, what point we're at in the dissertation struggles that we've had things like oh, that yeah uh many um, we'll, we'll try to keep it interesting and entertaining and not vent too much but yeah <laughs> <laughs> might slip a little bit yeah but until then thank you so much for listening you can reach us at pretty pixels podcast at gmail.com i'm on twitter at losperman and we will talk to you next week bye bye bye